Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Every, it seems like every year, a year and a half or so, God just kind of puts on my heart to, to take a message that we've preached before and to preach it again to kind of stir us up. There's a, there's a scripture that Peter wrote in Second Peter. It's always it's been one of my favorites. It says uh, he's talking about Christian character and Christian aspects. And he says this in Second Peter. He says, therefore, I... I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. So he says, I know you know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. So I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. So that's I'll, I'll say that as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder. Bring up something that, that we know, that we know, that we've known in the past. We're going to stir it up and kind of refresh it in our minds. So with that in light, I want to talk to you this morning about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. I feel like I just wanted to start in, and say this. The last prophet in the Old Testament was Malachi. The last book in the Old Testament is Malachi, but Malachi was the last prophet. Well, technically, I guess you might say the, the last prophet in the Old Testament was John the Baptist. But the, old, the last Old Testament prophet in the Old Testament is Malachi. And then there was, there was about a 400-year uh, silence between Malachi and John. They called, they called it the 400 years of silence. There was no prophetic voice in Israel for, for, about four, for almost 400 years. And I was thinking, when did the pilgrims land? 1620, right? Am I, help me some? So it's been 400 years. So in that same amount of time that our country's been in existence, for that amount of time they had no, no real prophet in Israel until John showed up. So you can imagine the, uh, the excitement, the, the, the anticipation when John started preaching in the wilderness. It said they, they thousands flocked to him from all over. And they said, are you the one? They were, they, were, they, they were waiting for the Messiah. They said, are you the prophet? Are you the coming one? Are you the, are you the Messiah? He said, no, it's not me. But there's one coming after me. The, who, the sand, the, the, his sandals I'm not fit to remove. He has a place higher than me because he existed, he existed before me. And he's, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus came and was baptized by John, and, and the Spirit of God fell upon him, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, some people might say, well, are you saying that Jesus was a man and not truly God? No, he was truly God. It says in Colossians that the fullness of deity dwelt in him in bodily form. In him, the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form. So he was truly God. But in Philippians it says he laid aside his divine privileges. He laid aside. He did, not, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he laid aside his divine privileges. 
and became a man and walked the earth as a, as a Holy Spirit-filled man to set an example for you and for me. When he was on this earth, Jesus talked, taught a lot about the Holy Spirit, almost exclusively in John's Gospel. If you, almost everything we learn about the Holy Spirit we find in John's Gospel. And Jesus said that there's two Holy, there's two uh, Holy Spirit encounters that we're going to have that he mentions in, in John's Gospel. First of all, in John chapter 4, Jesus was talking with a woman at a well at Samaria. And he began talking, she, he asked her for a drink and then he began talking to her about the living water that he has. He says, if you asked me for a drink, I would have given you living water. And that water within you will become a well in you, springing up to everlasting life. And he's talking, and that, he's talking about the, the born-again experience, the new creation. That's that well that's in us, springing up to everlasting life. You, may, you know what it says? Remember what it says in John 3.16, where it said, For God so loved the world that he, that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life or eternal life, speaking of the new birth, the new creation. And God says, that's, that's one experience that you're going to have with the Holy Spirit. He's going to become in you a well of water, springing up to eternal life. You're going to be born again. You're going to be new creatures. And then in, in John chapter 7, in John chapter 7, he's, he said, now on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood out and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus said there's two experiences that you're going to have. One of them is a well of water springing up in you, and the other one is rivers of living water flowing out of you. And I believe that's the, the first one is the born-again experience. The second one is the baptism, in the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the power of God coming upon you. And the, and the apostles experienced this later on. In John chapter 20, on the first Sunday night after Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised on Sunday morning, and that Sunday night the apostles were gathered together, and Jesus appeared to them, and he began to talk with them. But one of the things he said to them that night was he says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, at that point, what happened to them? What did they get? Well, I figured if Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, I figured they'd get the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and what happens when Jesus, when God breathes on something? When God breathed on, the, on, on, a, on a lump of clay, it became life. It says God breathed into him and he became a living being. Well, when God, when Jesus breathed on the, on the disciples, they were already alive physically. They became alive spiritually. They were born again. They received, the, they received the Holy Spirit. They were born again. But nothing happened. For the next 40 days, the Bible says, Jesus appeared to him a number of times over the next 40 days. But, they, but nothing happened in Jerusalem. They didn't affect anybody. Nobody was born, nobody changed, no excitement, no nothing. In fact, some of them even went back to fishing. Peter said, let's go back to fishing. But nothing happened. And then when Jesus was getting ready 
to leave the earth, to get ready to ascend into heaven, he gave them the Great Commission. And he said to them in, in, he said to them in Mark's Gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe will not, he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, he tells them, these signs shall accompany those who have believed. But that, that, that's not the only thing he said. He also said to them, as recorded in Luke's gospel, he said, but, but I'm sending forth the promise of the Spirit, the promise of my Father upon you, but you're to stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So he gave him the great commission, but he said, wait, don't go. You gotta wait. You gotta wait until the Holy Spirit comes, and and that's and that's also recorded in in Acts chapter one, where it says, "In gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, 'You've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence.' So he gave him the great commission, but he said, 'Wait, don't go out, don't try to preach.'" Don't try to do any miracles. Don't try to heal anybody until you're filled with the Spirit. So God has a you know, God has a gift for us. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm a great believer in, in it. It's, it's what God has given us. And, you know, when I, I get filled with the Holy Spirit in 1976, I, I'll just, I, I grew up in Massachusetts in a Catholic church. What did I know about the Holy Spirit growing up in the Catholic Church in, in Massachusetts. Now, in the 50s, that's, I was born before the 50s, but in the 50s, there was a great healing revival going on in this country. But what, what do we know about it? The, Oral Roberts, Billy Graham, I mean, no, Oral Roberts and, and uh, David, William Branham and others were doing tremendous things in the country, but, it, but I had, we had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. So God was moving, but I was sheltered. I didn't know anything about the Spirit of God. When I got born again, I began to hear about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I, and I kind of, I heard people say, no, it's not for today. I heard people say, yes, it is for today. And I kind of searched it out, and I, I asked the Lord, and God really showed me that it was for today. And an organization called Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship was starting up in Rome and having meetings. And I went to a meeting, a men's meeting for full gospel. And they prayed for me to be filled with the Spirit. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I've never been the same since. It's a wonderful experience. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of being filled with the Spirit. I don't think, you know, the Bible says that we're, we're supposed to desire to prophesy and don't forbid the speaking in tongues. People, people have said to me on occasion, you could have more people in your church if you didn't do all that speaking in tongues. I thought, praise the Lord, I'm going to speak in tongues anyway. Because <clears throat> it's, God has something for us special. And, and I pray that everyone will be as hungry for God, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as I was and still am, in Jesus' name. So, when the, so the apostles waited for... And then on, in Acts chapter 2, we all know those scriptures about what happened on the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like a violent rushing wind. 
and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them tongues of fire, distributing themselves and resting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. What, what are the purposes of speaking in other tongues? Let me just touch that briefly this morning. First of all, not, not, not necessarily in order of importance, but one of them is the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit. When you fill with the Spirit, God gives you the, the gift of God will give you this, the gift of speaking in other tongues. And we see that in the scripture. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 10, in the house of Cornelius, Peter was there preaching. And the Holy Spirit fell on him. And the apostle, and Peter said later on, when justifying what he did to the disciples, to the apostles, when they called, kind of called him on the carpet for preaching to Gentiles, he said that God gave him the same gift as he gave us. How did he know? Because he heard him speaking in tongues. And, in, and then when Paul was in Ephesus, and in Acts chapter 19, he met, some, he met some people that called themselves disciples. And one of the, the first thing that Paul asked them when he found out, that when, he, when they claimed to be disciples, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And, he, and they said, we haven't even heard about this Holy Spirit. So they said, into what, then were you baptized? We're baptized into John's baptism. He said, John baptized for, for repentance of sins. But you need, you need to be Felt you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And they were baptized in Jesus' name. He laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Spirit and began to prophesy. So the initial, the initial experience, the, the reason, the way you know you filled the Spirit is this, this supernatural language starts to flow out of you. And, and it's, it's a wonderful experience. And so it's, it's for the initial experience of being filled with the Spirit. And it's also a prayer language. There's, there's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ about praying in tongues. Some people say it's not for today, but it is. But there's two, there's, how do I say, there's two manifestations. One is, is praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, it's out of your spirit to God. It's this way. In other words, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, that if we pray in, in, the, in the tongues of men and angels, we, we, speak, we speak to God. When we speak to God, well, that's prayer. The Apostle Paul said, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So one of the, one of the things that we can do with all the tongues is to pray, to pray to God. Now, some people say, doesn't when you speak in tongues, doesn't that always have to be interpreted? No, it doesn't. When I'm praying to God, I'm praying this way, myself to God. And one of the greatest benefits of that is found in Romans chapter 8, where it says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. The King James uses the word infirmities, but infirmities suggest a physical problem, and it's not talking about a physical problem. It's talking about a, 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 a weakness in prayer. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes with the saints according to the will of God. So the Bible says we have weakness. We have a, we have a weakness in our prayer. A lot of times you don't know how to pray. We, we don't know how to pray as we should. Sometimes we don't, we don't know how to pray. Recently there was a, a, a comedian, who was ta- comedian who was talking about the difference between men and women. And he said, so my wife is always asking me questions that I can't answer. So let, let, me, let me give you an example. He said, about six months ago, I got a text message on my phone saying, pray for Tom. He's been in an accident. I said, okay, good. I'll stop praying for Tom. So I went and I told my wife, I said, honey, we've got to pray for Tom. The Bible, we just, I just got a text saying, pray for Tom that he's been in an accident. She said, oh, my God, is he hurt? I said, I don't know. I just got a text that said, pray for Tom. He's been in an accident. Were Christine and the kids with him? I don't know. <coughs> I don't know. I just, I just got a text message that said, pray for Tom. He's been in an accident. Well, was the other person hurt? Uh, I don't know. I just got a text message that said, pray for Tom. He's been in an accident. Is he in the hospital? I don't know. He... So sometimes, but I use that to say, sometimes you don't, know how to, you don't know what to pray for. You just know you're supposed to be praying for someone, so you start praying in the Spirit. And the Spirit will pray the, the perfect will for that person. Amen. See, if we can pray beyond ourselves. And not just for others, for your own self. You know, you, for, for, the, for your own life. I remember Lance Wallnow gives this testimony. He said, back before President Trump was elected, when he was, uh, when he was running for office, when he was running to be the, trying to be the, the Republican candidate, he said, Lance Wallnow started getting in, invitations to these meetings with high-level politicians and what you might call high-level, nationally and internationally known evangelical ministers they were holding meetings in support of Trump, and he was start being invited. He said, "Why? Why am I getting into politics? I don't know how come I'm getting God. What are you opening these doors for me? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you opening these doors for me to get into politics? I'm, I don't want to be in politics." And the Lord said, "You've been asking me every day to get you into politics." He said, "When did I do that?" He said, "When you've been praying in tongues, the last the last six months. Every time you pray in tongues, you're asking me to get you into politics." So sometimes our own mind doesn't know what we want. We don't know what we want. We think we know what we want, but we don't. But when you pray in tongues, you pray the perfect will of God for your life. And you can pray for others and pray for the perfect will, of even though you don't know what's going on. And, it, and you don't have to know. Sometimes, you, sometimes God will put somebody on your heart. He'll just kind of bring somebody in your heart. And you, you feel to pray. Just stop praying in tongues for them. And you pray the perfect will of God for them. So... Prayer, it, it, praying in tongues is, is wonderful. And then there's another manifestation, and that is giving, speaking forth a message from God. So praying in tongues is this way, but the, the gift of tongues interpretation is this way. It's a message from God through a person to a person or a congregation. So that's where people get confused. They think it's all the same. It's not. And when, and when this comes, it should be interpreted either by you or by somebody else. And so, so the message comes forth clear. The, the message that God wants to bring is clear. So, and then the lastly, it's, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, it's for a sign to unbelievers. And I believe that's, like, that's what, what happened on the day of Pentecost when they spoke in tongues, but it, everybody heard them speaking their own language. It was a, it was a sign to them. So, so 
Pranking tongues can be a sign, and that doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. But, but, but a message from God, no, I've never been used this way, but I pray in tongues all, 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 every day. I pray in tongues a lot, but, I, but I've never been used this way, but, I'm, but I, this, I do this a lot. And the Bible says it's, when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. You build yourself up like an edifice is a building. Jude 20, in Jude 20 it says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And the Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians, for if I pray in a tongue, I edify myself. We, 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 we're edified. Now, I want, I want to share with you a testimony. I heard Marilyn Hickey. I, Marilyn Hickey is a wonderful, wonderful Bible teacher. I heard her give her testimony years and years ago, and I felt to share it today because it's, it shows, I think, an attitude of a lot of people in the body of Christ. And here's what she said. She said when she met her, her future husband, the man that was going to be her future husband, his name is Wallace Hickey, but they call him Wally. So when she met Wally, he had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said he went to a Pentecostal church, and so, because he was going to the Pentecostal church, she went with him. But she didn't like it. So after several months, they got engaged. But she still didn't like the Pentecostal church. She thought it was too far out. It was, you know, it was too wild, too loud or something. It, just, it was too much for her. And her mother had been filled with the Spirit, and some of her friends had been filled with the Spirit, but not Marilyn. So one night... Wally was supposed to come to their home for dinner, but he came, he came after dinner. He came late. And she said, why are you so late? And he said, I'm fasting for you. She said, fasting for me? She, she got real, real insulted. Why are you fasting for me? I'm a Christian. He said, yes, but you're not a committed one. You've known about the baptism in the Holy Spirit for four years, and you've turned it down. And Wally said, I serve the devil with all my heart. Now I'm going to serve God with all my heart. And I'm not marrying a half-hearted woman. That's pretty strong. So she said she was extremely insulted. And he said, "I'm fasting for you to make you a whole, to, for you to make a wholehearted decision, decision to follow the Lord." And so she was very, very insulted. So she went to bed that night. She, he said, "God dealt with her real strong about the baptism of the Holy Spirit," but she said no. And the next night, God dealt with her real strong about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she said, no. And the third night, God said, you, you, you've resisted this for four years. If you turn it down now, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll leave you alone. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're not going to marry Wallace Hickey. You're going to go to California. You're going to get your master's. You're going to become a teacher. You're going to get married. And when you die, you're going to go to heaven. But you will have missed my greatest plan for you, which is so amazing you couldn't believe it if I told you. See, I believe there's a lot of people in, in the body of Christ that have heard about like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but for them it's like, no, it's too much. I don't, I, I don't, want, I don't want all that. But, there's, but you, could, you, could, you, might, you might miss out on God's amazing plan for your life by resisting what God is. I was thinking of Reinhard Bunke. Reinhard Bunke, God came to him and said, I've given you Africa. He said, why me, Lord? He said, I tried to give it to two others and they resisted. Now, those people, those people will probably in the ministry. And when they die, they'll go to heaven. But they will have missed God's best for their life.
because they, they said no. They're afraid to totally sell out to God. Don't be afraid to totally sell out to God. He's, he, he's, he loves you. He's not going to mistreat you. He's, he's going to bring you... And sometimes it's, it's risky. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, it kind of scares you a little bit. But God knows what he's doing. Yeah, I remember there was, a, there was a pastor years ago had a big church in, Dallas, in Rockwall, Texas. His name is Larry Lee. And he said one day an elderly gentleman invited him to some very exclusive uh, club in Dallas to have lunch. It's a, it was a club that was, uh, had only very, very wealthy oil men in it. He said, I was having lunch with this man. We were talking about the things of God. He says he began to weep. He said, what? I said, what's going on? He said, when I was a young man, God called me to the ministry. I didn't, I didn't want to go in the ministry. I wanted to make money. And I've made millions. But, I, but my life, and my life is almost over. But I've missed God. I've missed God's best. So, you know, there's something about selling out to God. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit will help you sell out to God and, be the per- and become all that God wants you to be. It's exciting to live for God. Amen. Because you never know what he's going to do. You know, when we, when we came to Rome in 1976, I thought we were going to stay here a few years and leave. I was in the Air Force here, and in, in, in the military, they you bounce around. I thought we'd be here for a few years, we'd leave. Well, God had other plans. He said, you're done. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but I figure, I, I figure why, not, why not do what God wants me to do? And, and, I, and it was a very, it was, we've had some pretty lean years, but God has been a, uh, the ultimate reward of our life. And we have, and I'm, I'm one of the most blessed men on the planet because of, because of God. And he'll do it for anyway because he loves us. So the Bible says, covet the prophesy, do not, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So I'm not, don't be ashamed of the fact that you've, that doesn't, mean you, that doesn't mean you need to walk around Walmart praying in loud tongues and be offensive to people. But at the same time, don't be ashamed of it. What what will help you? What, what what will help you resist the the temptations that come to us in life? Being strong in the spirit. How you get strong in the spirit? One way is to pray in tongues. If I pray in tongues, I edify myself. I build myself up. I become strong in the spirit. Doesn't mean you can't be tempted, but you'll be strong enough to resist. In Jesus' name. So I'll put it out there. How do you get it? Well, I'll tell you how you get it. You come down front and let us pray with you, or you can get it at home. Either way, and if you have to want it, just ask God for it. I remember somebody said, well, I prayed and nothing happened. I, I, I won't mention, but there's a guy years ago, there's a guy we prayed for for two years to get this prayer language. And we pray, every time we see him, we, we have the opportunity we pray for. And I don't know what the blockage was, but after two years, he finally got it. So don't give up on it. You know, ask God for it, receive it. Say, God, I, I want to be filled with your spirit. I receive it in Jesus' name. And close your eyes, open your mouth, and make a sound. Just do it and watch what happens. And if you can, you can do it at home, you can do it here. So with that, I'll, I'll close. God loves you. God's got a gift for you, the Apostle Paul. Peter said it on the day of Pentecost. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, repent to be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
God's going to give for you. Do you want it? I've, I thought it'd be kind of rude if someone said, I have this nice gift for you. You said, ah, thanks, but no thanks. I said, thanks, but yes, please. Give me all you got, and then some. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for the gift, the precious gift of your Holy Spirit that helps us to do what we call to do and to be the people you call us to be. To be the people you call us to be and to do what you call us to do. We're not ashamed that we're filled with the Spirit. We're not ashamed of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We love your Spirit. Thank you for the Spirit having its way in our life. We surrender to the will of the God in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's Word and that you be filled with His love and strength as you daily serve Him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.